Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me tonight is not Zach Bartles, but I have another great co-host joining me tonight, and we are going to get to him in just one moment. But before we do that, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors. That's right. Don't forget, we have two of them this month. One is, of course, uh, the always famous, or as Zach might put it, infamous Mission Aware. Uh, love their products over there, though. They've got that great Romans poster, uh, all the Book of Romans and one poster on three-foot sheet. Uh, they have tons of great um, drinkware. They've got tons of great uh, wearware. Um, so, you know, T-shirts, sweatshirts, all that good stuff. Uh, don't forget they've got the bus coming out. They had the first four and the next four are coming out in the spring. Uh, so definitely check out Mission Aware. Um, great group of guys and uh, want to give them as much love as we can. And then our second sponsor uh, is going to be uh, Building Hope Ministries. Um, and actually, I have Mike Callahan with me here tonight. We're going to get to him in just a second, but just uh, you know, wanted to throw that out there. Um, Building Hope Ministries, uh, they're part of a five-fold ministry that deals with church construction, uh, food for children with HIV and AIDS, uh, children's educational needs, things like books, pens, pencils, uniforms, all that stuff. Um, wells for drinking water, and then um, clothes for widows. Um, so you can check them out on uh, buildinghopeministries.com or buildinghopeministries.org. Um, and like I said, I'm very excited to have Mike Callahan, who is uh, the founder of Building Hope Ministry, with me now. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Hey, doing good, Nathan. How are you? Doing great. A uh, little, little different here, not having Zach, but uh, it's going to be good. You and I have. Uh, Great working history together. Yeah. Um, have a lot of fun over at uh, Bethel Christian Academy. And uh, so, you know, I anticipate tonight will be a good time too. So um, want to just give you an opportunity to talk to our listeners out there. Just let them know a little bit of something about yourself. Uh, friends, family, do you have any of those things? And uh, <laughs> what's that all like? Yeah, I do. Well, thanks thanks for having me here tonight, Nathan. My Appreciate pleasure. It. And um, yeah, I guess the... You know, to bring in my family, I am married. My best friend is Cindy, and we've been married for 36, 37 years now. Nice. Which nice. is pretty awesome. Have two wonderful children, Kristen and Brandon. Uh, they are each married. And through my daughter, we have three grandchildren. Nice. Dawson, Peyton, and our first granddaughter, Molly. Nice. That's and, great. And so they are uh, definitely the, the main focus of my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and as I said, uh, we worked together with um, Bethel Christian Academy, uh, worked in the same building. I was a science teacher. You were the Bible teacher. Mm-hmm. You're still the Bible teacher. I've been promoted or demoted, depending on how you look <laughs> at it. Um, so I'm now the admin of one of the other buildings. But uh, as one of our uh, coworkers recently said, do you ever work at your building? Because I'm over at yours quite a bit. Um, so, you know, but we, we do. We have good time. And Always enjoyable uh, seeing seeing you over there and uh, getting together. So, um, want to talk to you and dive right into um, the ministry that you have going on here and give me the background of of it. You know, how did it start? When did it start? Um, how you know? Throw me the nuts and bolts of the beginning. I would say um, that this more than likely started back through a hurricane that came through Central America. Um, I, I want to say it was Hurricane Mitch. Okay. Uh, that went through uh, Nicaragua, Honduras, back in the mid-90s. Uh, um, that brought awareness to the need uh, in the church that I attend, which is Crest Hill Church in Bowie, Maryland. Okay. And uh, some missions teams had gone down there to assess that situation. And as more and more teams... Uh, we're going and coming back with their slides, uh, mm-hmm. PowerPoint slides, and yeah. their their real life stories about the people that they had met and the need, um, you know, for missions and you know God, Jesus down in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hungrier I became to be a part of that experience myself, and so I would say that India really started, you know, with that disaster in uh, Central America, but. That, that shows you that God can use something really horrible for, for good things. Yeah, yeah. And so I um, 
I had had uh, three opportunities to go to Nicaragua mm-hmm. uh, with my church in 2000, 2001, and 2002. Okay. So that, that was a big, the beginning of that. Yeah. And so um, I was actually scheduled to go a fourth time, and I felt that the Lord had told me not to. Okay. And uh, in the meantime, I began my seminary classes through Regent University out of Virginia Beach. Yeah. They had um, an extension center in Alexandria. Okay. And so one day, um, uh, maybe about three, four months after my last Nicaragua trip, Mm -hmm. not thinking of anything except going to class. Yeah, yeah. I I had nothing in in mind about where will I go to missions next. Mm -hmm. Uh, India was nowhere close to being on my plate. Right, right. Places to go. And... um, I was on a subway, the yellow line, going mm-hmm. into Alexandria, yep. and the Lord called me to India on that train. Wow. And that that in itself is a long story, but but that's where the journey to India began. Okay. But I really think it had its roots in the Nicaragua, the Nicaragua experience. experience. So you had been to Nicaragua, you said, three times, and you you were about to go on your fourth, but then felt God wasn't calling you. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, so um, now I understand we, we could get totally into the weeds on a lot of things, but I just want to get a little bit of the history of what were you doing on the train? What were you reading? Like what was going on to point you to India, like just kind of basically, you know, how did that come about? I, I was, it was around nine o'clock in the morning, 10 in the morning. I wasn't really tired, but just had my eyes closed and enjoying the ride mm-hmm. on a pretty empty train on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And uh, with my eyes closed, uh, in my mind's eye to my left mm-hmm. was this visual yeah. uh, of the word. Uh, the country India, mm-hmm. yeah, like you might put your name into word art and make it look a lot of different ways. Yeah, it was kind of rainbowish in shape. Yeah, and it just said India. Yeah, and I remember sitting up in my seat and and saying out loud, India. Yeah, and the man next to me getting up quietly and leaving <laughs> because no one's. I don't know what he was thinking, but he yeah. left. <laughs> My name's not India. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so um, I remember trying to bargain uh, with God. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening to this right now have had experiences where they know God wants them to do something. Mm-hmm. And they themselves know God wants them to do right. something. But they're trying to get out of it. Yeah. And so... <laughs> Good I, old Jonah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had... Um, it was about a two-minute conversation, maybe, with God, mm-hmm. where I said, well, you must want me to witness to the Indians in North Dakota. Right, right. And uh, it was, yeah, no. Right, right. And so then I really tried to make it sound good. Well, then you must want me to witness to the Eastern Indians in the Washington-Baltimore corridor. Mm-hmm. I thought a fancy word like that might throw God off. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Was no, and I went. You want me to go to India? Yes, and that was pretty much the end of it. The end of it. Yeah, that was. But that was where the call was. So that would have been around two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, actually two thousand two. Two thousand two. Okay. Yeah. Two thousand two is when you got the call. When was your first trip to India, and how did you kind of start the process of? Okay, I'm going to go to India. I mean, I'm assuming you you hooked up with a church or an organization. This I would assume this isn't just like, hey, I'm going to buy a ticket to India and head over there. <laughs> no, I, I actually didn't know what to do. And because I just started my seminary studies at Regent University that very day, yeah, uh, it was my first missions class. I thought that was interesting in hindsight. That yeah. was missions <laughs> and not anything like really heavy. Right, you know, right. And um and the, my professor, Dr. Howard Foltz, wonderful man of God, I, I could barely concentrate on what he was saying the first you know, 30 minutes or so in my first introductory class because yeah. I was thinking about this experience, which was very real. And I went to him on the break and I said, Dr. Foltz, um, I'm Michael Callahan, but can I t- talk to you for a second? And he was 
oh yeah, sure, tell me. Mm-hmm. And I shared the experience in, in very abbreviated form because he had things to do. Sure, sure. <laughs> and he and he just said, well, you know, we're getting ready to go in about three months. Oh wow! I suggest you pray about it. And um, I knew I wasn't going to go in three months. I knew I I had my wife to speak to at home, yeah. who was not going to be <laughs> fond of this idea. And and I, honestly, I did not want to go. Yeah. I just I didn't want to go. Sure, I, it was I was fearful of going that far away. Mm-hmm. I there wasn't much I knew about India, and it was taken completely um, <laughs> out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and um, sorry about that. That's okay. We leave all this stuff in here, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, it took my wife and I about three three years or so to get. Um, to To get to a place to where we could each support one another with this, yeah. and I was actually supposed to go in two thousand five. Okay, but um, there was a, um, a tsunami in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. That that uh, actually was so massive that it hit the part of India that I was supposed to go to. Oh wow! And so um, I ended up going in two thousand six. Okay, wow. Now, let me ask you something. Um, has your wife ever been to India with you? She has not. She has not. See, and, and to me, I find that interesting because it just shows like how God can be so supportive. You know, within within a marriage, the husband and wife can be supportive of one another, even though, you know, your wife hasn't been and gone. And I feel like there are times where, you know, um, my wife and I, we support one another in the things that God's called us, but it's it's... It's been at, you know, I'm here to support you, but I'm not, that's not my <laughs> calling. I'm not doing that, you know. That's right. And, and I, I think that's really interesting. About how many times between your first trip, which was 2006? Correct. And now have you been to India? I've been 16 times. 16 times, wow. And that's... I had never wanted to go once. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I really did not want to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, through, through a series of events that just happened, um, I, there was it was undeniable that I had to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let me ask you something because um, Building Hope Ministries started in two thousand nine, correct? To, uh, March of two thousand seven. March of two thousand seven. So, um, how did you get from not wanting to go to? Okay, now I'm going to go, and I've been on a trip to essentially. Now we're going to start a mission organization <laughs> for India. Well, the, as we already discussed, I mean, the, the very first step in that process was just um, after God calling me mm-hmm. was making sure that my wife and I were on the same page, uh, even though she was apprehensive. Um, her concerns, you know, were I, I understood she was concerned about safety and those types of things, and I was too. Yeah. But once we could cross those hurdles, then um, I was able to hook up through Regent University where I was in seminary. Yep. Um, and about ready to graduate. Nice. And so the timing of it was perfect, actually. Um, but I was able to hook up with um, a pastor friend of mine, uh, Pastor Van Bloss, and his wife, Jane. And I wouldn't know this till years later, but they were going on their first missions trip and he became my team leader i he conducted himself so professionally i thought he's been here 10 times right. 12 times he had never been before a wonderful team leader so i went with with uh, with van and jane the very first time i went thinking that okay right uh, <laughs> god I, I got it over right. with i checked the box what's right. next <laughs> And so that was in February into March of 2006. And so what happened in 2007, in the beginning of the year, um, I went on a 21-day fast, Mm -hmm. um, not seeking God's will for me in India, Mm -hmm. just seeking God's will. Right, yeah. And um, I felt that urging of the Holy Spirit to prolong my fast, you know, even more to mm-hmm. 40 days. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad in hindsight that, that I listened mm-hmm. because had I just said, well, 21 days is enough 
and I don't think I'm going to do that. Yeah. I I may have just missed this calling because mm-hmm. around 36 days into this, mm-hmm. um, in prayer, the Lord had given me you know, the name of the mission, Building Hope Ministries, right. told me what he wanted me to do. Yeah. And um, I mean, I took him literally, like, right. you know, build a church, but my carpentry skills are, are horrible. <laughs> but, um, but it's really just to, with more dialogue with God, it's just my understanding was to make sure that here in the States I can raise funds to help them there. Yeah. And so that's, that's really what led from the initial um, trip in 2006 to uh, the beginning of Building Hope Ministry uh, in March of 2007. Yeah. So let me ask you, what was, what was the focus of what you were doing in that first trip? Uh, the focus was I had actually gotten a bunch of friends of mine together. I'm, I'm a musician, mm-hmm. I play guitar and piano. And while I really didn't know where this was leading, I knew that God was calling me there. And I knew that churches were of need. Yeah. Uh, we There's a lot of things we're involved in now that we weren't involved in initially. Yeah. But I got a bunch of uh, friends together and we formed a... Uh, band called The Project, which lasted about 10 years. Mm-hmm. It was one of the arms of Building Hope Ministries. Yeah. And um, I just posed the idea of, uh, hey, you think we can you know, raise funds, uh, buy the land to help build a church on? And yeah. everyone agreed to do that. And that, that was pretty much how it all began, with having uh, a church plant as a, a main focus. So after that, um, the idea was church planning, and then because we we talked about in the promo um, to this podcast, you know, this is part of fivefold ministry. So so initially, it started with church planning and building, which is still part of the uh, the missions, you know, focus. Right. And so where where did you kind of go from there, and how did it develop into these five? This fivefold ministry that you do—that—that's all really a time process. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, going from uh, city to city, pastor to pastor, discovering what needs they have, mm-hmm. discovering what's feasible for us to do here for them there, mm-hmm. and kind of having the Lord just um, basically define who He wants us to be. Yeah, and so through different. Um, I would say that James one twenty six twenty seven, where where it talks about how true religion is this mm-hmm. that we would take care of widows and orphans yeah. in their time of need, was definitely a, a focus of of our ministry early on and still today. Yeah, where we knew that widows and uh, orphans are are vital. Yeah, to take care of. And initially, in our first forty months, we were working with children that were in orphanages. Yeah. To where we would get people like you or me yeah. to give thirty dollars a month, and it would meet their needs, you know, for the month. Um, and, and that was just a, a season of uh, working with children. Yeah. Um, but mainly in the first in the first forty months or so, it was the occasional church, but a heavy emphasis on working, um, supporting children in orphanages mm-hmm. and widows as often as we could. Yeah. Um, the orphanages, once we stopped working um, in that particular area of India, we were called to a different place mm-hmm. uh, from Andhra Pradesh to a place called Kerala. Mm-hmm. I had met um, a pastor friend of mine who, uh, in Detroit yep. that we're in ministry with now in, in Kerala. Oh, cool. And through, uh, through dreams and visions... Uh, came the need to work with children with HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a dream. Yeah. And for him, it was something that he had a vision on. Yeah. And um, and some complete stranger walking into his office one day saying, can you help us with HIV AIDS? Yeah. After both of these things had happened. Yeah. And so that, that led to um, our working with children with HIV AIDS. Yeah. And widows as well. Yeah. And then with that particular pastor, um, we started to work um, 
in supporting different villages with wells mm-hmm. before we had not been doing that. Okay. And then education needs started to come into play. Yeah. That's that, neat. Yeah. So so would you say still today because it sounds like it's been it's been fluid over the years in terms of where you focus on in the ministry. So you started kind of with the orphanages and the orphans and then it kind of the vision and the and moved somewhere else. Do you think it's still changing with what you might be doing or do you think you're pretty set now in this is where our focus is going to be? Um, well, with God, you know. Right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, it, I guess for us to say, you know, here we are and nothing will change, that, that'll be the day where God changes yeah. stuff. <laughs> but, but it does seem as if, um, I, I believe that we're in a place now that God wants us to be. Yeah. Where our focus isn't scattered uh, everywhere. Right. That it's um, that even though it is five you know individual ministries that we are a part of, um, it, it's really out of those five. There's two that are kind of the big guns, if you will. Sure. And that that would be the the church uh, planning. Yeah. Which is there's always a need for that. Right. And also children with HIV/AIDS. I mean that that literally is a matter of life and death. Yeah. Because they receive their uh, medications from the government for free, right. but without uh, nutrients, they right. were dying. Yeah, and it was unacceptable, you know, to us. Yeah, that we would um, just ignore that. That we would do everything we could to help whoever we can. Right. Um, but with the wells, um, with the with the wells ministry, it, that kind of comes into play just. Whenever there's the need, sure, it's sure. not like a, a monthly need. Yeah, um, with children with education, uh, that's somewhat the same. At Christmas, we help them with uh, school uniforms. Yeah, or it could be a, an occasional uh, an occasional tuition here and there, yep. or backpacks, or yeah, uh, whatever the need. And usually with widows, it's it's an annual um, event where we try to raise as much support as we can to help them at Christmas with new um, wardrobes. They're sorry that yeah. they wear. Yeah, that's neat. Well, I just want to remind our listeners we're um, we're here talking with Mike Callahan from buildinghopeministries.com or buildinghopeministries.org. Either one, you can find them on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know, so just want to throw that plug in here uh, so people can go and. And check out all this stuff. Um, so, so Mike, as you're talking, one of the things that I really appreciate is the fact that you're willing to listen to God's calling on where you're going to be serving next. Because the fact of the matter is there are all kinds of needs around the world, you know, and yes. you could be talking about widows, you could be talking about orphans, you could be talking about um, HIV, you could be talking about churches, you could be talking about malaria, you could be talking about tuberculosis. I mean, there are so many needs. And I think part of the problem is, is, is people get so focused and bogged down with so many needs instead of just saying, well, how about we just do something and yeah. we'll start here and then, you know, wherever God moves us and calls us, you know, and, and I think it's okay and I think you would agree with this based on how the ministry is formed and developed and how it's still forming and developing. You know, right. I mean, with, with God, you're never, you're never set in stone with your ministry. <laughs> it's always changing and moving um, where, where he's calling you to go um, is the fact that, you know, and I think you would agree, the, the orphans ministry is no less important that, than or now than it was to you then, but God has moved you into a different direction, you with, know, and has allowed children. you with yeah. children. Yeah. And has allowed you to move in that direction, um, and help still help children, but in a different way, That's right. you know? And, um, I, one of the things that I feel like, uh, can be so disappointing sometimes is as Christians, we have our hobby horses of things, <laughs> you know, it's like, this is what I'm, gung-ho about you know and and i mean name name your issue you know uh, abortion homosexuality you know all these issues that come up and you know it's fair to say that they're bad and we should be doing something but you know 
I, I know that some people take heat because, uh, and, and I'll be honest, I'm one of the people that when abortion topics come up, I'm not blasting my Facebook page with, you know, anti-abortion stuff. And, and the reason why I don't do that is because I feel like I'm called to a different aspect of ministry, you know, and you, you listen to the podcast, you'll hear very clearly I'm, I'm against abortion. You'll hear very clearly we take a biblical stance on marriage, you know, but I'm not going to throw things out on my Facebook that's going to, you know, take away from my potential audience base. You know, sure. and it's not because I'm ashamed. It's because I don't feel like that's the form to do it. And so what I see with your ministry is there's a time and a place to be doing things. And when God calls you into another area of ministry, that's when we move into that area of ministry, you know. And so uh, I really I, I appreciate that about you guys and what you do, because you can't do everything, you know, but you can do something. Well, we've discovered that even with the... Um with the children with HIV, mm-hmm. you know, um, that we assist in the state of Kerala, the need is so overwhelming yeah. that if you try to help every child, you would not help anyone. Yeah, because you would feel defeated. Yeah, and so we finally, um, it like I said earlier, it's been just a process of where God has gotten us from 2007 to 2019. Yeah. But now we've become very content with, we know that we can help these 27 kids. Yes. And if that's, if that's all that we can help, yes. then we're going to do everything we can to make sure that, that they can eat. And um, because otherwise we would be running ragged and, uh, and in the end not really being able to help any, everybody anyway. Yeah. Uh, and being exhausted, yeah, and not really having a, uh, a central focus. Now we have a particular district, a set number of kids. This yeah. is who we help, yeah, and and we're fine with that, right, right. And and two, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, it's not that you're not willing to see who else God brings for you to help, but this is what you have right now. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and right. that's and that's what's important is you know where mm-hmm. where God has you right now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ideas that we we discuss and pray about, and that we we never get to just because um, it could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe we don't feel God wants us to go there, yeah, or we just don't have the resources. Sure, you know it. it um, but we we do consider a lot of different things, but we try to stay um, focused on what we've been doing, yeah, because we we feel that that. Um, that helps the ministry. Yeah. For the outsider looking in. Yeah. Like, what do we do? Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I definitely understand. Yeah. So 16 times going to India, um, yeah. plus or minus. <laughs> um, so you must have um, some really great highlights from the ministry and things that you've done. I would, I would also assume that not all of it has been, you know, Great that there have been some moments where you've been scratching your head like, what in the world? But I, w- I want to talk to you about some of those things. But I want you to start with um, some of the highlights. What are some things that like really just stand out to you over the course of those 16 trips? Because, I mean, that's that's a lot of time. I mean, I would assume your average time is 10 days for a trip, you know. So, I mean, that's, you know, close to 160 days, again, plus or minus that you've been – that you've been over there, so it's yes. You know, depending on the time of the year in the summer, sometimes it's been you know twenty days, yeah. twenty one days. Uh, in the winter time, you know, with my school schedule and teaching, mm-hmm. um, um, my employer, you know, our employer, yeah, has been uh, very understanding, and yep. maybe it's an eight day trip. And, yeah. Um, but but over time, what I've been able, one of the things I've discovered about the the people in India yeah versus our culture and I and I really think I need to compare the two yeah is they are so willing to worship on a foundation mm-hmm. that has no walls yeah and and keep praying for the money that's going to come in to one day build these walls in faith yeah maybe seven years later yeah 
only then to continue to worship yeah. in hopes that God will one day provide a roof. Yeah. And if he doesn't, they're going to worship him anyway. Yeah. Um, and so when they have their church dedications, it is such a huge deal. Yeah. Because there has been so much time that has elapsed between a cornerstone. Right. And the final window being put in the wall or right. whatever the last step is. And I, I kind of have to laugh about that sometimes with the impatience that I observe sure. in America to where if, you know, if we don't have this built uh, in six months, right. we're failures or, right. or whatever people think. Yeah, And so that, that's one thing I definitely have discovered in India and wish I had more of, honestly. Yeah. You know, on a personal level, and I wish our our country had more of that with just the patience that they have yeah, and the faith that they have yeah, in knowing that whatever happens, sure, they're going to worship God anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because I know, um, I, I've been part of, um, a denominational organization before, you know, countrywide organization. And I mean, it's a worldwide organization, but just dealing with the country and, you know, they used to kind of rate their church's performance on, you know, uh, quote unquote converts coming into the church, <laughs> you know, and, and we do, we have these ratings and standards of success, right. you know, and, um, and you're right. There's just, there, there isn't that level of rating and success over there. It's, you know, it's really truly an understanding that, you know, it's, it's God's church. The universal church belongs to God and he's going to build it whether physically or spiritually in his time. That's right. They're they're more than content to sit under a tree and worship the Lord in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, the, but the building though, the, the physical structure of a building absolutely helps them in that, sure. you know, if it is pouring down rain right. or if they're having a celebration of some kind, a dinner or a wedding ceremony yeah. or whatever it would be, then there certainly there are benefits to the actual building itself. Yeah. But they don't get caught up in that, though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one yeah. thing that over time I've observed and really embraced. Yeah. I guess another thing too that um, that you know, like like a cameraman would would put on a specific lens for a particular shot. Yeah. When we first had the call to help children with HIV/AIDS, our focus, our lens mm-hmm. was let's make sure they eat. Sure. You know, yeah. which was uh, you know the obvious lens to put on. Right. And over time, what we have discovered, I, I have seen these children in every trip that I go, yeah. and kids that had, whose dreams were, where's my next meal coming from? Yeah. Are now dreaming about, you know, I want to be a policeman when I grow up. I'm talking mm-hmm. about, like, kids in middle school or, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe, you know, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a pastor. Yeah. And... So they have these dreams, and what this has done, um, unfortunately, the uh, the community of children with HIV/AIDS, or well, actually, whether you're a child or an adult, right, it's kind of um, an unspoken disease. Yeah, because if someone knows that you know. That you have this, yeah. you can be excommunicated from the community. Yeah, you can be kicked out of school. So they're a strong community in and of themselves. Right. But what I have found with that is that some of the caretakers for the children who are not believers in Christ, yeah, over time have seen the love of the pastor who has welcomed them in uh, to the church yeah. for worship. Yeah. Once a month, who has given them meals? Yeah. Who uh, they don't understand the the love that that people can give from overseas? Yeah. To help this child eat, it's a love that they've never experienced, and so the lens that we never saw right coming was that these caregivers were turning to Christ. Yeah. Th- that these caregivers were going into ministry. Yeah. And so that is one of the things that is definitely a highlight uh, of just 
knowing that you know we had a certain process yep. that we were going by. Yep. And um, and the Lord honored it. Yeah. And He did even more with it. Yeah. And that, to me, it's just an amazing God. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, going just so much more than you ever thought or hoped or imagined, you know, and it's, it's amazing because we, in America, we've come to put God in a box. So, so small, you know, in, in what we think he can do and how he can work and move. And, um, it is true. You go overseas and, and those boxes just get blown to pieces. Um, you know, it's just, (laughs) it's such a neat experience to see those things and witness those things. Um, tell, tell me about, um, because as good as the good is, I think also being able to reflect on, man, this, this was bad, you know, um, because sometimes people too, when they, when they look at missionaries, uh, almost put this, um, I won't say godlike, but demigodlike figure on them where it's like, you've got to be a certain person. And you got to have a certain personality to do this, you know, instead of like just, you know, being willing to go where you're called, you know, and it doesn't matter who you are. Um, talk to me about some of the, the frustrating experiences that you've had um, personally with things. Um, In India? Yeah. Yeah. Being over there and like, you know, so people can be like, oh, this is actually a real dude who still has frustrations <laughs> and problems, too. It's. Well, one of the things when we first got involved going over to India, it mm-hmm. was uh, in a little teeny town called Elaru. Mm-hmm. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but uh, in the state of Andhra Pradesh. And having never been there yeah. um, as a missionary to that country, I just thought that what I was going through was just the way it was. Yeah. So we would wake up at 7, have some type of breakfast, uh, go out and feed the poor somewhere, uh, yeah. usually into the Dalit community or the untouchable community where mm-hmm. no one wants to go. Sure. Which is exactly where we wanted to go. Right. And to help them uh, go prepare food for something later that night uh, where, where we were going to distribute even more things. Yeah. Go to a prayer service, come home, get a quick bite to eat, go out somewhere else come home and shower because by then you're just completely drenched in sweat. Yeah. It is so yeah. hot. <laughs> <laughs> and where the pastor would say, we have to leave in an hour. Um, and so I would sleep and get prepared mm-hmm. and, and I'm ready in an hour and this pastor's nowhere near ready. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't understand this, you know, India time. Right. <laughs> to where, yeah, it does matter catching a flight and, other things like that, showing yeah. up to work on time. If you're three hours late to the crusade, you're three hours late to the crusade. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, coming home and e- finally eating dinner around 1 a.m. Yeah. To, <laughs> to, to two. Yeah. And then sleeping and then doing that all over again. I think I lost 17 pounds my first trip. Yeah. <laughs> and... I was glad to be there. I was somewhat frustrated about the pace, yeah. but I didn't know anything else. Yeah. I was really just exhausted. Yeah. And so then by the time we started to work with another pastor in Kerala, mm-hmm. and I was anticipating the same, Yeah. He, um, he would say, okay, we're going to have breakfast, and then we're going to the church dedication. Okay, what time is that? Ten. All right, I will be ready. What time? Nine o'clock. I will be ready. And so the church dedication is over at noon. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's next? What do you mean what's next? <laughs> I mean, what are we doing next? We're resting. Right. <laughs> what do you mean we're resting? <laughs> Rest? <laughs> what is this thing of what you speak? <laughs> what country am I in? <laughs> And so it was the difference between, I guess, one pastor and yeah. his philosophy, if you sure. want to call it that, of, of missionary work, ministry, and another person's. And I actually, I, I was actually very frustrated about that. I thought, well, I, I came here to do the Lord's work. Right. I can't, <laughs> I can't be sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Or just 
resting in my hotel, but, but yeah. actually it was exactly what I needed to do. Yeah. Because it gave me a, a time to reflect, to write in my journal, yeah. read scripture, talk to people in the lobby. Yeah. And actually, you know, just get to know the culture of the people and um, not just be running around so ragged yeah. that I couldn't collect myself for eight, until 18 days later. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, it's funny you say that because I remember um, my senior year of high school, I went to Jamaica uh, on oh, okay. a mission trip. And I had been, um, I had been on several mission trips before then. Uh, and so I was, even out of the adults, I was the most experienced missionary <laughs> that was on the trip. And I remember we were, we were keeping that pace that you talked about for the first four <laughs> days of the trip. And, you know, even for a bunch of teenagers to try to keep that pace <laughs> mm-hmm. is rough. And, um, I mean, we had, we had kids literally dropping like flies because of because of that and i went to my um i went to one of the adult leaders and i was like look we we need we need a break here like we're we're dying and and i remember you know he he looked at me and and i had a really good relationship with this person um even still to this day uh one of my closest friends you know and at that time it was one of my teachers and um he had taken several hours and was praying and came back and he was like, you know what, tomorrow we're going to sleep in. We're going to take some time and just kind of debrief, you know, like you were talking about writing in your journal and talking with people, you know, we're, we're going to take some time and just kind of reflect on the things that we've been seeing and experiencing. And, and, and that is so important. We forget so many times in the process of anything we do, right? I mean, right. here in America, you know, you can get just as consumed with work, you know, as teachers, like there's always another paper to grade. <laughs> there's always another <laughs> email to write you know there's always something and and remembering that you know god gave us the great gift of rest and sure. taking that opportunity even even overseas on a 10-day mission trip you know taking that opportunity to rest absolutely um, so yeah so those are just learning experiences yeah and re- rediscovering i guess because uh, that the pace in nicaragua was kind of like it is now yeah um, I had never been a pa- in, through a pace like I was for 40 months yeah. in the initial years. Yeah. But um, I just figured that's the way it was there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. <laughs> now, uh, along with all of the, the ministry um, of what you're doing and the experiences that you've had specifically in the ministry, you touched on it um, – I think briefly with some of with uh, even some of the cultural things, but I want you to talk to me about some of the cultural experiences that you've had a little more in depth, maybe um, over there. And uh, I would say some of the culture shock, both good and bad. The culture shock was unbelievable. For those that have seen, I think it's the first Star Wars, mm-hmm. where they get on this ship and they land on this planet uh, the bar scene mm-hmm. is that Star Wars 1? yeah tattooing yeah when I landed there I felt like I was next to Han Solo right. in, that, in that bar <laughs> <laughs> everything was so completely different I mean people are people yeah yeah. But and, and they're nice and all those things yeah but uh, for instance on a highway on, on a on a busy city street where you're coming up to an intersection, there's no lights. Right. I mean, imagine Baltimore, Maryland with no lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. Yeah. It, you know, but I was amazed at this. But instead of cars or motorcycles being to your left and right, um, the lines in the road mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, the, they're designed where they think three cars will go here. Right. But on the far left, you have a camel, and then you have a <laughs> in the downtown busy street. Yeah, and you have a motorcycle, a couple cars, a big bus. Um, it could be anything. Yeah, and so and just the busyness of it, the honking horns at all times. Yeah, we're here. You know, could lead to death. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Over there, it's just. It's the way it is. Yeah. You know, you need to move. I'm honking my horn. Right. That type of thing. So traffic-wise, 
uh, in the cities, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, the busyness of that. Um, <laughs> that's funny. But now food, the food and the colors, that, that's one thing that I, I think about often. The, just the colors in India are beautiful. Yeah. Um, and we, we have beautiful countries in the United States, but yeah. there's certain, um, I don't know, there's certain colors over there I just don't see here. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm at church and I, I might look out at the congregation, I feel like I'm looking at like some beautiful flower yeah. field with all these different colors of yellow and pink and orange or wh- whatever it is. Right. And um, and the people that are wearing them are, make it even more beautiful. Yeah. yeah, because they're just wonderful people. The food, um, if you like hot, spicy food, <laughs> come to India. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's not all that way. But yeah, certain states are have hotter foods than sure than others. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I would I would assume that to a certain extent, you know, you talked about. Um, you talked about people are people, you know, and so, you, you know, different places in the United States, you know, you go, you go to certain places when you want hot, spicy food, you know, and, um, but yeah, it's, I, I think that's one thing that we sometimes forget when we think about international and we think about overseas is, you know, we think, and there is, there is a culture shock that's involved, you know, different habits and customs and practices. Um, but, I, I've even seen that here in the United States. I had friends who lived up in New Hampshire and moved down to Georgia. And, you know, they had lived and grown up in New Hampshire their whole life. And then they moved down to Georgia. And, I mean, it's total culture shock moving down there, you sure. know. Yeah. And, um, but I, I think, too, like one of the things to look for is, okay, what you know, where are the similarities? Where, you know, where, where does that point where, you know what, people are people come into play? And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is that is that something that you've kind of looked for and held on to when you go over there? Like, you know, not not the differences, but the similarities. The similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you, you know, um, obviously your bond in Christ with all of the churches is going to be, you know, preeminent. But, you know, this person likes spicy food and I like spicy food, you know, the. This yeah. person likes this and I like this, you know. We look for things that are, I do, just look for things yeah. that are common ground. Yeah. Well, at the same time, though, um, observing differences. Yeah. Because that, that helps me understand right. what I'm doing. Sure. You know, and um, um, I've had some cultural experiences before where I have said some things that led to arguments for an hour at 1 a.m. when I'm exhausted and I had... I had no idea what I said. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only to discover that that, that particular term right. there right. was perhaps, you know, maybe insulting right. or taken right. the wrong way, where in the United States it's not. Right. But surely, Mike, you've had practice with that being married too. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> My wife and I were just talking last night. We've never had an argument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had an argument that I've lost before. <laughs> Just kidding, honey. Um, but what, one of the things culturally I, I've um, that's just so beautiful, um, and, and this is not to slam any church in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I think there's something to be said about making sure that your your musicians work very well together. That sure. they actually understand music, right? Right. Um, that the people that are doing, you know, e- easy worship or whatever the program yeah. is, yeah. Th- that everyone is in sync with one another, yeah. so that people coming in to a worship service um, can experience God to the best of their abilities, based on your effort to help them get there. Yeah. I mean, and there's there's certainly something to be said about that. But I've been in so many village churches over there where the only thing that they have is some drum that looks like it was purchased in 1960 or something. And maybe maybe not even a stick to beat it with, maybe just their hand. But the sound that comes out of this small 
village church of these worshipers. Yeah. It it is unbelievable. Yeah. It it's just it's a thumping of your chest yeah. that I've never had a match of in the United States. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And and that's really something that I hold dear. Well, it goes it goes back to what you said, you know. I mean, these are the same people who are um, willing to go out and worship underneath a tree, mm-hmm. rain or shine. They're willing to wait years before a foundation gets put in, and then they'll go and stand on that foundation and worship for years, rain or shine, before walls get put up, and yeah. rain or shine, you know. And so, um, it's it's like you said, it's there's a difference. Um, of what we see here in America, because in America, um, I feel like I'm saying America, um, in America, <laughs> like Balmer, <laughs> that's right. Balmer. Um, in America, those are almost showstoppers for us. You know, I think, I think sometimes we hold the outdoor service as a cutesy little thing. It's not a way of life for us, but you know, it's like, let's go back to simpler times and have a service outdoor, you know, but I mean, if it was downpouring rain, that service would be canceled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but, but that, that's the way of life over there, you know, and, and they're not going to stop worshiping God, um, you know, because, because at that point, when would you ever worship God? Um, right. Let me let me ask you about um, the religious climate in India in general, um, because um, you know it, it very um, Hindu traditionally, yeah. um, and then I know um, uh, the the Islamic community has also been moving in heavily into certain areas as well. So, talk to me about that and and how that affects. Um, you know the the worship and and the the freedom that they have um, to openly worship. Well, I believe somewhere in the um, I don't know if they call it their constitution, but in, yeah, in in their constitution, if you will, I think they do say you know freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. However, right, <laughs> it's uh, not not quite what you would think that that means, you know, in, in that culture. Um, I highly respect that, that they are a Hindu nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really do. That's who they, that's who they have been and who they are now. Um, and they are predominantly Hindus. Yeah. Um, in that particular culture, the, the Christians and the, um, Muslims are, Minorities, and they actually get along very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you'll find um, there are more um, Muslim population in cities than there are out in the villages. I, I would say it's easily 90, 95% of the people that live out in the villages are probably Hindus. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it depends on where you're at, and I haven't mm-hmm. been to all the states in India. Sure. I think it's freer in the south to mm-hmm. um, express the um, you know the concepts of Christianity and yeah. Christ and uh, more than it is the north based on just what I've heard from people in the south yeah but even in the south you you need to be cautious yeah there's certain things that are acceptable certain things that are not yeah yeah so. That's probably all I should say about that. Sure. But, but you know, for, for the sake of those that I love over there. Right. Yeah. No, and that's and that's understandable. I think, um, you know, sometimes I, it really, again, it's really interesting being in America where we're free to shoot our mouths off at anything and everything we want to. And sometimes we forget that yeah. when we shoot our mouths off, you know, there are people behind – you know those statements that we're making. Um, so I can I can definitely appreciate and respect that. Yeah. Um, we are coming to uh, a wrap up here, but before we go, um, Mike, I wanna I wanna give you um, the the floor, so to speak, for a couple things. One is um, anything that you want to talk about or tell us, um, just in general about um, India, your experience, building hope. This is 
little plug for you to promote the ministry better than I could because this is, you know, this is your child, so to speak, uh, God's child that he's entrusted to you. Um, And so you are more intimately acquainted with it. And so I want to give you a couple minutes for that. And then I also um, want to give you some time after that to just tell us about um, needs that you have, both um, financial and um, prayer, prayer needs that you have. Okay. Well, I I guess I would start by saying for any, you know, for those that are listening to this uh, podcast that despite what what you may think is best for you. <laughs> I understand this through experience. If God is calling you someplace, uh, prayerfully consider it, of course. Mm-hmm. But if you if you know that it's God, then just go. Yeah. And um, because he will, he will open up doors of opportunity that you've never imagined in a million years. Yeah. Uh, and show you and teach you different things. And um, so I guess I just want to encourage anybody out there that might be struggling with that because I know what that was like. Yeah. For someone who had wanted absolutely nothing to do with India. Yeah. And, um, and now I can't imagine my life without it. Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those um, things. So I would encourage the listener just to follow God's lead on that. Um and he was patient with me. He waited. Yeah. You know, he, he probably knew it would take me four years. I mean, he knows everything. Right, right. So um, it wasn't necessarily that I was disobedient more than just uh, I needed time. Sure. And so um, that, that's the one thing I like to encourage people about. Uh, the second, I guess, is with, with India is um, we, we have a lot of um, – your friends over there mm-hmm. and a lot of people in ministry. Uh, I guess maybe I'm crossing over into a prayer need now, but while I'm thinking yeah. about them, just to keep them in prayer. Yeah. Because they, um, when they consider the cost, as Christ said, mm-hmm. you know, they, they do so more than we will ever do here. Yeah. At least in 2019. Yeah. Our country's going through some changes, but, yeah. but not like that. Yeah. And so, when they give their lives to the Lord, um, it could be that they are removed from their family. Yeah. Um, uh, it could mean that there's harm brought to them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe even death. Yeah. And so, um, you know, prayers for people who uh, who are in that category, whether whether they're a pastor or just simply a believer. Yeah. Are very much needed. Yeah. Um, but I guess for for our ministry, uh, a couple things that we have coming up uh, are um, we're focusing on church churches in March, okay, and uh, children with HIV AIDS in April. Yeah, and um, people can visit our website to you know find ways that they can you know to give to that cause yep. if, if they feel led to do so. Yep. Uh, one thing I believe is very important that that the listener knows is that our organization does not, nor has ever taken any fees. Mm-hmm. So if someone yeah. gives a hundred dollars, let's say for widows, a yeah. hundred dollars goes to widows. Yeah. And that's the way it's always been, you know, with building hope ministries. Yeah. Um, there's no salaries. We're not opposed to organizations that have them. Right. We just don't want them. Right. And so we figured if uh, if donations are coming in, it needs to go to the purpose for which we were created to be in ministry anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's good that people understand that. Yeah, yeah. No, and and again, that's that's one of the things that I really um, really appreciate about you and in your organization too is. Um, you know, whatever people um, earmark those funds for, you know that a hundred percent of it's going to go there. Yeah, so, that would be right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Mike, this has been uh, this has been a pleasure. 
Really yeah, appreciate you, you so coming much. on. Uh, don't forget, uh, you've been listening to Mike Callahan from Building Hope Ministries. You can check out the website, buildinghopeministries.com or buildinghopeministries.org. Either one will, will take you right to the site um, and just check on it from there. Uh, Mike, I know in preparation for being on the podcast, you've done a lot of work to the website to kind of update and streamline some things and make sure it's easily accessible. So, right. um, you know, uh, this is... Uh, not just um, been a good opportunity for us on these go to 11 to have you on, but I know it's been a good opportunity for you to kind of organize some things that you were kind of like, well, we've got it and it's there. Um, But, you know, you've been working hard to get everything kind of organized. So, um, you know, please check out the website (laughs) and um, check out what they're doing over there at Building Hope Ministries. It's a great organization um, and, uh, well worth your time to, at the very least, go and look around and, you know, take some time to, um, like I said, at the very least, pray for um, these people. Um, you know, uh, we have our listeners on all the time, missionaries who will come on and they uh, have trouble asking for money, but I don't. So please give to Building Hope Ministries and, and their various needs as well as be praying for all their needs as well. So. Um, Mike, this has been great. Um, hopefully we can do this again sometime, maybe make it an annual thing where we get an annual update from you and sure. check in on what's going on. That'd be um, great. No, thanks, so, Nathan. Absolutely. My pleasure. Until the next time, Mike, we just rock the Casbah. These go to 11.